Well, church family, uh, good morning again and a happy new year. My name is Kyle Reschke. I have the privilege of serving as one of our uh, pastors on staff here. And so I'll be uh, opening the word uh, for us this morning and, and offering our sermon as we continue in this sermon series called Unplug, How to Disconnect in a Connected World. And so uh, for all of you who are here today, uh, if, if Wheaton Bible Church is your home church, your family, uh, welcome. I know we may have many visitors uh, with the weather I'm expecting online. We have uh, a lot more uh, online visitors this morning. Uh, if you are checking out this church, I just want to invite you to every next step you'll hear about today uh, and, and kind of taking those steps of faith again and want to offer the welcome to you. We are glad you are here. So 2022, church, can you feel, can you feel that there's something going on here at Wheaton Bible Church? Do you feel the excitement, the, 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 the anticipation God's got something for us in the coming year? And so my wife, Joy, and I are so grateful for this church. We think that God is really up to something here as we experience God, seek together, uh, seek him together, grow together as a church family, and take part in his mission to the world. And so as we start off the year, uh, uh, New Year's weekend, right, if you're like me, is a time of reflection. It's a time of setting goals. What do I want the year to look like? What were the achievements? What went on in the previous year? And because of that, we as a church wanted to spend three weeks in a row actually talking about the, the rest of God, retreat in God, that we live in such a connected world that it's a spiritual discipline to actually unplug, to disconnect from the hurry of life, from the busyness of life in order to connect to the source of life. So last night, I was out uh, in the cold, snow-blowing the neighborhood, one of my favorite things to do. I figure once I get all bundled up and I'm ready to go, I'll finish our driveway and our sidewalk, and uh, why not? You know, it's peaceful out, the snow is falling, and I looked down the sidewalk, and nobody had blown their snow from the sidewalk yet. So I make it down uh, four houses down, uh, to the north and then down and doing all the walkways. And then I make it to the last house, our neighbors, just to the south. And I get their sidewalk done and then I'm walking up their walkway. And as I get close to their house, I feel a, a big jerk, a kick in the snowblower. Right after that kick of the snowblower, I see the Christmas lights on all of the hedges on the right side of the walkway wink out. Anybody know what happened there? So I turn off the snowblower and uh, double check that it's off, right? Not a cautionary tale. To, uh, to turn it upside down, stick my hand in, and I unwind and come to the severed end of my neighbor's Christmas lights. Uh, knock on the door, turns out they're out of town, uh, so I tucked it in the snow and walked away. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I called him up and, and, and let him know, and said, I'm so, so sorry. We had a good laugh about it. Um, but I think God gave me this as a sermon illustration for this morning. This was at 8.30 last night, uh, because it turns out there are good ways to unplug, and there are not so good ways to unplug. 
Pass on the snowblower one. We'll we're talking about today the right ways to unplug. So that's my theme, okay? I want us this year to be so deeply connected to God, to unplug from the things that don't mean as much, the things that may get in the way of the life God would have so that we can plug in to the source of life. You with me so far? All right. Couple of ground rules as we go. Um, you may or may not know, around the world, uh, expressions in church services uh, how would I say this? There's, there's freedom of expression, okay? So when people hear the good news of Jesus and feel from their heart an amen, they would audibly say, amen. you're getting it. When the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, they might affirm with a yes, Lord, or my personal favorite around the world, an alleluia. Okay? So thank you, Adam. Um, if you feel that today, I want you to feel free to let that out. All right? You with me? All right. So let's stand together, church. I'm going to read from God's Word. I am today in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 32, and then I'm going to uh, go to Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 47. We read that the apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And now church is actually a, a, a very common story, one you may know. Jesus and, and, and the apostles, they, they feed the 5,000, but immediately following that, we go to verse 45. I want you to see this. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. Church, you can be seated. So here's my point for today, church. I'm continuing from Pastor Josh last week. Rest into retreat. They're very similar concepts. So retreat is the place where you disconnect from the hurry of life and connect to the source of life. And our tech team, thank you so much. Retreat is the place where you disconnect from the hurry of life and connect to the source of life. That space where the stresses of our days and weeks, where, where all we may want to achieve is actually calmed down. Where the uncertainty we might feel or even the uncertainty on who we are is actually clarified. That's the place of retreat. The space where you experience the faithfulness of God disconnected from the hurry of life, plugged into the source of life. And so I'm going to get at this today uh, in three main sections, okay? Number one, the problem. Number two, the person. And then third, the practices, okay? The problem, the person, the practices. So the problem, why do we need retreat? The person, how do we get it? And the practices, what do we do with it? You with me? All right. 
So as we encounter here, uh, back to Mark 6, 30 and 31, I thought this was so interesting that uh, so the, the apostles gathered, they had been sent out, okay, they'd been sent out by Jesus and with power, so they're out, they're out among the crowds, they're out among the villages, and we read, it, like, it's limitless what has happened, what, what God has done through them, they have anointed with oil, they have healed, they have cast out demons, and, and so it's just this flurry of activity, and and then here they gather to report to Jesus all they had done and taught. And even as they're reporting, so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. And I find Jesus' response here so fascinating. See, Jesus actually sees a problem with hurry. He sees a problem with overwhelm. He sees a problem with stacking on task after task, seeing that people, when the flurry becomes too much, when the overwhelm too many, the crowds too great, Jesus sees a tendency to lose the right foundations. So he calls them to arrest and retreat. I'll get to that in a second. So why do I say this is a problem, church? Why is hurry such a big deal? There's a story about a pastor who was mentored by a, a spiritual director um, in the last century, really influential um, spiritual leader by the name of Dallas Willard. And this pastor asks Dallas Willard, how can I thrive spiritually? How can I uh, achieve or, or be all that God has me to be? And, and there was, the story goes, there was a... Uh, uh, a pause on the other side of, of the phone during this conversation. And Willard, after a bit of silence, responded with, hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Did you catch that? Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so today, I'm, I'm going through, I'm going to quote a couple times from a book, and I want you to know the title, and also so I'm not uh, plagiarizing it, I'm quoting it correctly. There's a book here that I've read um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. A bunch of our staff have read it, uh, Pastor Hannibal's read it, I know he's given out copies by John Mark Comer. Uh, I've read it twice because when I read it the first time, I read it in a day in a hurry and therefore had clearly missed the point, so I returned to it more slowly later on. But John Mark Comer uh, kind of quotes uh, why or what's going on with hurry, and he uses the word hurry, he uses the word distraction. Church, listen to this. The CEO of Netflix was asked at a press conference how he felt about all of the upcoming and competing streaming services that would compete. So think of um, uh, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, you know, the list goes on. All these streaming services and the story goes that the CEO of Netflix actually said, yeah, there's some level of competition there. For Americans specifically, the biggest competition towards taking in our content is sleep. Do you catch that? I want that to sink in for a second that the largest companies in the world are spending billions of dollars a year to get our attention, to distract us, to allow us to keep trying to stick with the hurry. What do I mean? Apple confirmed that people unlock their phones an average of 80 times per day. Depending on how long you are awake for, that could be six to eight times every hour, and you might even stay on from there. 
And so church, we're more connected than ever, yet instead of being less hurried with all of our efficiency, that connection has served to make us more hurried, right? Has anybody here, when you've been in the middle of a vacation or with family, and and gone for that quick check of your email and then checked your email and saying, praise God, I am so glad I checked that email and I had it accessible to me. Said no one ever, right? So, we live in this age of distraction. Over 80 years ago, the the poet T.S. Eliot wrote in a poem about this Twittering world, so he was tweeting long before there was Twitter, this Twittering world that we are distracted from our distractions by distraction. So you say, okay, Kyle, what do we do with this? I hear you. I'm with you. I'll take a digital fast. Let's change our, our relationship to technology. And you know what? I go, sure, all good ideas, but it's actually deeper than this. The problem goes deeper. These distractions are all just symptoms, I'm arguing today, something much deeper. They're symptoms of what Pastor Tim Keller calls the eternal inner murmur. That voice that is always saying, you have to prove yourself. That voice that is always replaying that inner conversation. The one asserting that you were right and that person was wrong. That you aren't good enough, you just need to work harder. Always seeking approval. Just one more thing, just a little more debt, just one more dollar, one more hour of work, and then it will be enough. Winning one more argument online or with my spouse or with my family, and then it will be enough, and then I will be enough. But guess what? It's not enough. The eternal inner murmur goes on. So stick with me here and see if what I'm about to share resonates with you, has a ring of truth to it. So similar to Keller, John Mark Comer uh, sees this. He calls it hurry sickness. So here's a couple symptoms as we look. And uh, if you want, if you want everybody to see the areas where you really, uh, you know, may fall here and just be super transparent and honest, feel free to raise your hand. But here would be the symptoms. Number one, irritability or hypersensitivity. Does even the slightest delay cause you to be irritated. Number two, restlessness. Even when you have the time or space to rest, you may have trouble doing so. Workaholism or nonstop activity, enough said there. Feeling emotional numbness either in yourself or in empathy, finding it harder and harder to feel or experience empathy for the pain or struggles of others. Out-of-order priorities, always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, or saying, wow, my week, what I did, my calendar, actually, in only very little ways, matches up with what I say my values in life are. Number six, slipping into escapist behaviors. Number seven, isolation, feeling disconnected, either from God, from others, just living, moving from one distraction to the next. Anybody see themselves? themselves and a little bit of that. I'm seeing a lot of nods. Good. All of you raising your hands. Thank you for being honest today. So here we are. We live in an age of distraction. There's this problem. The distractions keep coming. The hurry of life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life today. Thousands and thousands of books are all saying the same thing. Just try harder. Do better. Reach your full potential. Maximize yourself. 
Go to the bestseller look uh, uh, rack at a Barnes & Noble, you're not going to see bestsellers saying, yay, you are limited. Seize your limitations. So you say, okay, we see the problem, we get the problem, like we have the problem. Church, you're hearing me argue that actually left to our own devices, we are the problem. We have that eternal inner murmur. And so what's the solution? We need a solution. We need real retreat. So if retreat is the place where you disconnect from the hurry of life and connect to the source of life, we need to look at what real retreat looks like. Turn back with me to Mark 6, 30 and 32. Through all of the hurry, uh, the apostles had gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Tech team, I'll get to that verse in just a minute. Thank you. Jesus says, come with me by yourselves and get some rest. So I'm going to argue today, this retreat, the retreat I'm talking about, plugging into the source of life, is both modeled by a person, modeled perfectly by Jesus, and is also made possible or is a person, the person of Jesus. So there was so much to report, and Jesus says, come with me. So in the Gospels, uh, here's your biblical Greek lesson for the day. There's this, uh, this group of words, loneliness, wilderness, desert, solitude. It all comes from the same Greek word, eremos. Say that with me, eremos. Eremos, there's your Greek lesson for the day. This is important because it's the same word that is used very early on in Jesus' ministry. It is so important for him. Jesus models going on this retreat, plugging into his source of life and taking that strength. Another example outside of the come with me or when he goes and he's on land at night is early on in his ministry, we read in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gets baptized. He's 30 years old. He has been, uh, John the Baptist has proclaimed, uh, the Messiah is coming. The king is here, and Jesus gets baptized, and this is like, in, in, in social media terms, this is the place where Jesus is about to go viral. He gets baptized, and we read that the clouds opened up, and the Father spoke, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit was there and came down like a dove. And what did Jesus do right after this moment at the launch of his ministry? We read, immediately after that, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness for 40 days. It's about to take off the place of strength for Jesus. He is sent by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. Unplugging from the hurry of life to connect to the source of life. It's a place of, I will argue, strength for Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, that eremos appears nine times. Jesus modeled it. The ministry is full. The crowds are everywhere. But he always goes to that place. Sometimes it's a mountaintop. Sometimes it's across the garden to pray. He was alone on land on the mountainside. So surrounding all of this incredible work, this working of miracles, feeding the 5,000, just before Jesus does so, he doesn't say, Great, apostles, let's 10x it. Let's maximize it. When they didn't have time to eat and were so harried, he said, come away with me. But what I want to show you next 
is that yes, there's a model there. That's the first level of retreat. I want to show you that the presence of Jesus is actually the way to the deepest rest and retreat. The perfect person and place to quiet that eternal inner murmur. Are you with me so far? Okay. So church, I want you to see this. Rest comes when we can look on the work and declare that it is good, when the work is finished. If you go back all the way through the biblical narrative, even on the first pages of Scripture, um, God created, and after every day we read the sun and the moon and the stars, and, and he looked and he set the celestial fears in the heavens, and it was good. The animals, the birds of the air, it was good. He created man and women. He created them in his own image, and it was good. It was good, it was good, it was good. And then God rested. That's why he commanded all the way throughout the Old, Old Testament this Sabbath rest. He said one of the ways you can declare that God is our sustainer, he is our provider, that the world revolves not around us as people but around God as creator is to rest, to look on the work and to say it is good. That was the point of the Sabbath. And so church, we actually then come to the life, to the ministry of Jesus, and he makes some incredibly bold claims. Follow with me, tech team. This is the Matthew 11 passage. Thank you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble heart, and you will find rest for your, what? Souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I need, I need, I need you to hear this today. What Jesus is claiming, he doesn't say, for all of you who have it together, for all of you who have made it down your checklist, for all of you whose systems are dialed in, who are good enough, no, no. He's saying, he's offering an invitation. Who are weary, burdened, I will give you rest. Take me, take my yoke upon you. That sounds to me like the best kind of retreat imaginable. The exact place and way you would unplug from the hurry of life and plug into the source of life. So if you're here today and you go, you know, that's actually not an invitation I've ever heard. I'm going to repeat it again and I want you to hear it. For you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, striving without ceasing, stuck in a cycle of trying to earn something you could never earn on your own, feeling defined by past mistakes, things you regret, this invites, this invitation to the deepest rest. It is for you, it is for you today. Amen? Will you receive this Jesus? He is the Lord of rest. And church, maybe you've been a churchgoer for a long time. You said, I became a follower of Jesus Christ as a young child. This is my 20th year in the church. I'm going to present it to you in a different way. You need this reminder too. Up on the screen is Hebrews chapter 4, 9 through 10. And I love this verse. 
Because this is Jesus. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So people of God, church family, hear this. We do not rest on the results of our own work. We we rest on the work of Jesus Christ. We rest not on our own righteousness, We rest in the righteousness of Christ, not on any ability we have to prove ourselves, but on the fact that on the cross, Jesus has proven everything. 2 Corinthians 5.21 states that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So not right because we keep forcefully trying to win arguments. Not right because we may hold all the right positions on all kinds of issues. Not right because we keep the fight going. Right because of the person and of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That would be a place for an amen. Do you hear that, church? The Christ follower looks at the work of Jesus on the cross. This is the gospel. That Jesus, who we just celebrated at Christmas, became man and dwelt among us and lived a perfect life we couldn't live. And because he lived that perfect life, he died a perfect death on the cross. We could never die. And then he rose again to new life. Defeating sin, defeating death, meaning that in him the struggle is not endless. That being reconciled to God, God looks down and the work is declared. It is good. The perfect work has been done. It is complete. Finding rest in the faithfulness of God. Church, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what I want for us in 2022. Resting. Finding the source of life and source of strength. Clearing out everything else and finding strength and our source of strength. Unplug from the hurry of life and plug in to the source of life. So here's where I want to close up our time with about 10 minutes left, okay? We've seen the problem. We've just talked about the solution, and now I want to talk about the practices. And I save these for the end because you can't take out the person and expect the practices to have any real change. Okay? You can't take out the person of Jesus. If you take out Jesus, if you take out his work, his perfect work, the practices end up just as another self-help list. You have to start with Jesus. The deepest rest is found in him. So what I'm going to talk about in the practices are actually things. These have existed throughout church history. These are rhythms in in all kinds of ways that, that allow us the space. They help us to create the space to impress on our hearts, to deepen in our minds the truth of what we just talked about. The person of Jesus Christ, the presence of God. The reminder of his rest. Do you, okay, you hear me on that? That's what the practices are. And there's long, long lists. I wanted to keep them simple at three because I want us to really sink in. I encourage you, okay? If you go out of here and say, I've got all of them. I've got my list. I know exactly every... Okay, I think you've missed the point a little bit, okay? Maybe pick one. I will encourage you this year... Okay, try. 
The result is not based on your trying, but take a step and see what God will do, okay? Take a step and see what God will do. The first, this one we've talked about it, actually Sabbath. This year in 2022, uh, I see Sabbath as slowing down. I want you to take Sabbath seriously, like your life depends upon it. Because as we've talked about, we actually find it's a way to declare who our source of life is and to encounter our source of life. So really take time within a rhythm to unplug, to be away from work. Maybe even to invite family, your spouse, your kids into Sabbath and say, we want to slow down. This in our household will be the declaration that our sustainer, our provider, our rest is God. The world won't revolve around our calendar, around our schedule, around our sports games, around our work. It will revolve around the rhythms of rest that God has for us. I want you to Sabbath this year in 2022. I had a, I really enjoy Sabbath. I I take the time. In the Hebrew, there's, it carries with it slow down. It also takes in delight. So on the Sabbath, you slow down and you delight in the good gifts of God. One of them for me, just frankly, comes down to time. I find that when I have a rhythm of Sabbath, I have more time for people. People, I really think, who matter to God. So a few years ago, uh, one of my only kind of chores on Sabbath was grocery shopping. And so because I had the time, I was rested, this is a day, I'm not going to hurry from one thing to another, same day every week, and uh, went to the Jewel Osco in Lyle by the apartment where I was living, and this, having time for people. So month after month, I would go to the same cashier, so that I could develop a relationship, uh, uh, learn about somebody, check in, offer whatever encouragement I could. And so this, this woman, who's a cashier, became a good friend of mine. And we started checking in on life a, a lot of weeks, and she noticed, so I, I hadn't met Joy, my, my now wife, yet. And so uh, most of my shopping cart was things like bagel bites, mozzarella sticks, uh, you know, a bachelor living. And then she started noticing, added to those things, you're getting bouquets of flowers. Who, who are these flowers for? So I start to tell her about this woman I've started dating and that man, do I need a lot of help? And she checks in. But to make a long story short, month after month after month, and even in our engagement, so I had times of grocery shopping where I had the picture of the ring where I was going to ask Joy to marry me. She came back to church for the first time in a long time and came here to Wheaton Bible Church for the occasion of our wedding day. And I love Sabbath delighting in what God may have for us. If we hurry through everything and don't commit to just slowing down, man, I actually think by trying to fit in more, we're going to miss some really really important things. Do you hear me on that, church? Sabbath, slow down. It may be a practice of once a week. It may be a a yearly time. Whatever it is, I want you to, to commit, pray about, to say, Lord, how could this be a rhythm for me, for my family? Second, scripture meditation. 
So church, you want a, uh, a surefire, unchanging, true way to know what God says, we have it. I want to keep scripture meditation pretty simple here. Meditate, sit with, ruminate, memorize, read. If you want to be reminded of the faithfulness of God throughout all of history to sinners like you and me, it's here. If you want to be reminded of the power of God as the creator of all things, turn to the Psalms this year. If you need to hear that the yoke of Jesus is for all who are weary and heavy laden, how about Matthew 11, reminded that all of creation groans and the rocks and the trees cry out to the glory of God, that salvation is assured in Jesus Christ, head to the epistles. For the life and the person of Jesus, we have the four gospels. It goes on. Church, we have it. Scripture meditation is a spiritual discipline. And you say, but Kyle, I don't have time to devote to that. I would say, yes, you do. You do. Our days, if they are filled with hurry, we're really going to miss it. If we Sabbath, if we commit to slowing down, the time is there. Commit to taking it and see what God may do with it. I'm going to wager with you that you're going to find some beauty, you're going to find some incredible delight, and the truths of God are going to be pressed deeper into your heart. Third, seek community. I tried to keep these all S's. You see, there is this incredible thing in the world today. It is the most ethnically, geographically, linguistically, economically diverse group of people that has ever existed in the world. And it is called the church. So seek community. We are a collection of imperfect people with and worshiping in the presence of our perfect God. A people who know that we've been imperfect in our pursuit of God, but we know that our God has been in perfect pursuit of us. A group of people who testify that even when we are not faithful, God is. So, Scripture meditation, Sabbath, seeking community. What would that look like for you in 2022? I've included the link, and, and tech team, maybe you can put that back up. If you don't know what that next step may look like for you, it's wheatonbible.org slash next steps. Links to all of our community. You probably also saw the link up there for scripture meditation. We're on a two-year reading plan as a church family. If you don't know where to start, this is something we desire to do together. Amen? I want to make sure you know the invite that is here for you as we start, as you start 2022. Hear from Matthew 11 again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So church, in 2022, unplug from the hurry of life. Why? Because there is a much deeper source of life for you. Let's pray. So Lord, would your presence 
Be in our lives, permeate our lives. You are Lord. So Father, as we seek Sabbath, meditate on your word, pray through your word, seek community and gather together, would it all be centered on knowing you, on worshiping you, on enjoying you and knowing that you are faithful. Be our source of rest, our deepest source of life. Amen.